Hello, everybody. This is the High Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. And on this episode, I am very privileged to be here with uh, our very own High Jiu-Jitsu student, Mr. Gray Green. How you going, Gray? Good, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. As we were just talking about before, um, they are interesting times that we're living in right now. And they're... Uh, is a whole bunch happening and most of us there is a lot happening and there isn't a lot happening um, a lot of spending a lot of the time on at home if you guys aren't aware we're in a um, I don't know I think it's been about 11 weeks now 12 weeks of a lockdown here in Sydney and there's been no training no jiu-jitsu um, so as well as it can go how's it going great Oh, look, it's all right. I mean, you know, I'm fortunate enough to sort of have, I mean, the family around and stuff. Like, I mean, I've got friends that are, uh, you know, live by themselves or whatever. And I can't imagine how tough it is, you know, with the the solitude like that. It'd be like being in, you know, solitary confinement or something. But, um, you know, so I've got a little bit of social interaction, at least with the family around. But, you know, that presents its own challenges with school. And, um, you know, I mean, as much as everyone loves their family, being around them 24-7, <laughs> it can be hard. Yeah. Um Luke Whiffen had a really good story. Um, we just had him on the podcast. It's coming out very soon. But who was chatting and he said he had a few weeks in between jobs at one point in his life and he spent the time at home. And it was only after a few days that he just, he came to the realization that he's like, I don't belong here. Like my time, my job <laughs> is to not be in this house. Like, uh, you know, for, for a lot of us, it's a very artificial situation where, um, you know, sure, we're family and we all love each other. We can't live without each other. And at the same time, the separation is so important just to, just to our maintaining healthy relationships. And I feel like it's nice when I, you know, in regular life, I'd go out, I'd chat with other people, I'd learn other things, I'd practice different stuff that, you know, come back with the experiences and just reflect on them with your family. And, you know, like that separation was important. And now, there's none of it, so it, it does get very difficult. How about Gray without the um, jiu-jitsu? How you, how's your body feeling? What's, uh, what's been happening there? Oh, look, I've just had to, I mean, as you know, we've been doing uh, sort of from the start all the uh, the morning workouts and stuff, which has been awesome, but I've just had to sort of supplement it with, you know, other uh, other exercises or movements or whatever, you know, so, you know, running, surfing, uh, doing the weight stuff with you. I mean, yeah, it's not uh, it's not quite the same as jujitsu, but um, you know, no, no, you got to look after your body, right? So uh, I've just been doing my best to you know stay stay as active as possible. Yeah, I feel yeah. So uh, p- plugging it uh, proudly right now. The morning workouts, everybody, <laughs> seven thirty on Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at eight a.m. Um, there's Zoom sessions, and they're so much fun and great. All the high jiu people need to thank Gray because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be running these ones this time around. Um, Gray stuck with it through thick and thin, and now we've got a nice little crew that are kind of directing their way through this lockdown in the mornings we meet. Um, and I think, yeah, just like for you, man, it's been – it's kept my sanity. Like I wake up and I'm like, oh, damn, I have this morning workout to go to. You know? mm. um, and I think that's been beautiful. Uh, you're also super lucky to live by the beach, right? Yeah, Bondi Beach, my favorite beach of all time. Um, what's that been like, Greg? Can you please tell us? Because I haven't been there for many weeks, and I'm feeling very nostalgic. No, I mean, look, it's been good. I mean, there's um, 
it's still, you know, relatively busy, but, you know, given that there's not that many people at area coming, it's, uh, you know, not as crazy as it, you know, it usually is on a weekend. I mean, I think um, some of the coverage it got over this weekend, it looked pretty crazy with some of those uh, photos. But, um, yeah, look, just in terms of, as you said, just the sanity and being able to get out there and, um, you know, have that sort of change of scenery from, you know, being inside all day or, you know, being around the kids all day and, you know, the – for the kids, it's been really good too. I mean, you know, having the skate park down there for Max and everything and, um, you know, and for Ariana just having, uh, you know, just time on the beach. And, yeah, look, it's been great. But, um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not exactly – it doesn't exactly fix, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the lack of interaction the kids get, you know, with their mates or whatever. But, look, it's definitely – mate, it can, compared to how some people have it um, – you know, in some of the uh, the LGAs of concern, it's uh, yeah, we've got it all right here, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can talk about this for a while. The like the the political aspects of this lockdown, and you know, the science behind certain aspects of it. But I don't think that's what the people tuned in for today, Gray. So I'd love to just leave aside <laughs> this uh, coronavirus stuff right now. We've kind of we've spoken about it. We, uh, you know, um, tell me though. Because the thing that we get from this coronavirus lockdown is, and this separation from jujitsu, I personally think that it, it brings to the fore just how important jujitsu is for us. Um, as we go, we'll go through that, we'll explore that in this little chat today. But let us know uh, how did your martial art personally? Who's great? Um, give us a little background about you, um, and we'll go from there. Oh man, that's a, that's a big question. Um, yeah, I don't know how far back do we want to start. I suppose the you know in the context of the podcast, we could start around um, you know martial arts. Um, you know, my first exposure to martial arts, I guess. Um, right, at least give so us where I, you're from. Where were you born? Oh, Sydney, Sydney, born and raised. Like um, mum, I think I had me up in Paddington or something. So I sort of lived around the east most of my life. Okay, fair enough. Um, went to school in the East as well and then um, went to New South Wales Uni and we had my first sort of experience with martial arts there um, at the Aikido Club, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, right. Uh, how old were um, you? I would have been around 20 then. I mean, I had uh, mates at school that, you know, did uh, some boxing or judo or things like that. And, you know, so you sort of – you get exposed in the schoolyard, right? But um, in terms of actual training, uh, that's the first place I actually ever trained. Um, and you yeah, made, they were a good, cruel people, much like, um, you know, much like the crew you have here, it was sort of, uh, you know, good vibes in the room and not, you know, overly, um, you know, like, yeah, look, I suppose it's just a, by the nature of the type of martial art, you don't really do really any free sparring. So it's not really like, you know, overly aggressive or anything like that, but, you know, it was a good introduction to, you know, the world of, you know, submissions and joint locks and stuff like that. So, um, I had a good time there for probably two and a half years. I think I got up to like maybe brown belt before I sort of moved on. Um, and the yeah. catalyst for moving on was that. So um, tell, me about, had, uh, tell me about Aikido. Yeah. What, what, what was the, what, what's the uh, difference between Aikido and what you practice now with regards to jiu-jitsu? Well, they, yeah, they don't really do a lot of live sparring. They still train a lot, like in terms of the way techniques are demonstrated. It's very similar. Um, and then also, yep. you know, the, a lot of the principles are similar. Like, I mean, it's sort of, it was derived from, you know, a form of jujitsu before. So, but it was, uh, you know, I think it was derived in sort of a more peaceful time in Japan. So they weren't quite as, um, focused on, you know, strict, you know, combat applications, I would say. 
Yeah, right. Um, but you know, yeah, a lot of this had a lot of the similar like arm locks, shoulder locks, joint locks that were used, but like the uh, the positions and the applications are sort of quite different. That's an interesting um, thought that uh, it was created um, at a time that was uh, more peaceful throughout Japan. So that influenced uh, what the martial art was about. Just like, I guess, yeah. judo was uh, created at a certain time as well, which reflected um, its contemporary um, like uh, environment. Mm. And then you can talk about Gracie Jiu-Jitsu as well. Um, I was telling her this morning on the, on the workout that I was – reading the Hicks and Gracie book. And he was talking about the, like just, they were constantly fighting on the streets of Rio in the seventies and eighties. And that's kind of how jujitsu came to prominence really. And how this idea of self-defense came, came to be. So um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really interesting to think about the, the, the origins of the art. Yeah. 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 Um, so then, yeah. So with regards uh, with Aikido, um, after that, what happened? So I got um, exposed to uh, what's now uh, Red Boat Kung Fu, I think it's called now, which is Rick Spain's school up in Surrey Hills. Um, yeah, yeah. It used to be just Rick Spain's Kung Fu Academy, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think he's changed the name now. But yeah, I had a friend of mine who actually ended up joining the army and um, he was training up there for a while before he got uh, sent off. And, um, you know, he just showed me some really cool stuff and it was uh, definitely more, you know, combat, a combat application, sort of like early MMA school. Um, so, uh, yeah, I started training up there for, oh, geez, I don't know how long it was now, maybe two or three years or something like that. And, and um, it's, then you saw, I think you were training with maybe Pat Meehan. I think he was training there and Andrew Nurlik, I think was training Andrew, there as well. Andrew was taking the, the, the jiu-jitsu classes, exactly. It was my first sort of exposure to BJJ. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I was really enjoying training there, uh, you know, a lot actually made some good friends there and everything. And, you know, some of my friends even started training there and, um, yeah, just some, you know, life stuff sort of got in the way and I had to sort of take some time off the mats and then, yeah, I don't know, one or two years turning to 10. <laughs> That's how it usually works out, right? That's why I tell people, yeah. they're like, oh, look, I'm just going to take a month off jujitsu. Like my life is a little bit busy at the moment, but I'll be back. I promise. I'm like, yeah, careful with that one. Careful with that one. Um, so, so what was the kind of, what was your experience of jujitsu um, having done it for the first time um, with Andrew and the crew at Red Boat? Oh, we're just seeing the, you know, because the way we used to spar there was like um, you do, you know, one round of just uh, like boxing, right? It's, uh, another round would be, you know, legs as well, so kickboxing. And then, you know, from there, it would escalate that you could go to the ground and, you know, and finish it there too. So the first few times I was sort of ever exposed to it in live sparring was I think I was uh, – I think her name was Becky. Um She's this tall, like sort of lanky, red-headed girl that we were sparring with. And, you know, it's always awkward sparring with a girl too. You're trying to take it a bit easy or whatever. Um, and uh, I remember, yeah, she got me on the ground and like mounted and then went to armbar and I got tapped out and I was like, wow, that, that, uh, that shit actually works. <laughs> yes. So it had my attention from then. Wow. Nice one, man. And um, so tell me, what yeah. was the – um, when you guys were training, what was what was a what was the training like? What, what was the intention of it? Was it a bit more um, 
competition focused? Was it heavy on the gi? Um, what was it like? Yeah, it was more, I mean, I think his, Rick's sort of whole philosophy to martial arts is definitely around sort of self-defense and, you know, practical applications on the street type thing. So, um, I think he did have a few guys sort of competing, but in terms of the, you know, just the class focus, it was more around that. Um, yeah. And, you know, generally, like, the vibes were pretty good there. I mean, you know, the it was a good group of guys, and he sort of ran a pretty tight ship with a bit of a no-dickhead policy, which was good. Um, but, I mean, as you know, like, when when life sparring's happening, you know, sometimes things escalate or whatever, um, uh, just by the nature of it. Uh, but, you know, it was, you know, it, it was really, yeah, it was a good, good vibes and he's a good, really good instructor. I mean, it was well, well-rounded school, you know, they were, they were doing, uh, you know, they were doing what MMA schools, I guess, do now before, you know, they were, they were called that. So. Nice. Good to hear. Um, it's been, that school has been around for a long time, right? And Rick Spain, it seems like a, like a mainstay of the Sydney martial arts culture, at least in history. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. hundred percent. How long were you um, training jiu-jitsu there? Uh, well, I was training all in probably like I think two to three years, but I think my jiu-jitsu, I was only doing maybe one class a week in it, you know, if that. Just to, I mean, at the time my attitude was very much like um, if I can at least just sort of survive or, or stifle, you know, people's jiu-jitsu, that's kind of enough. Like, you know, I, like I realized it was, you know, pretty technical and, you know, requires a lot of time to be proficient at it. But, you know, at, at the same time, if you can um, – you know, you can snuff it with good, uh, you know, good sprawling or, you know, just try to not put yourself in that position was, was kind of my attitude to it at the time. So I had to learn some, but I wasn't really, you know, as committed to learning the, the you know, the, the depths of it as I am now, I'd say. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So, okay. So wh- what it seems to sound like, Professor calls this um, anti-jiu-jitsu. So, you're not really playing the game, but you're just trying to cut <laughs> yeah. it down completely. Yeah. How did that go for yeah. you in terms of learning? That's uh, I'm interested in that. Like, did you did you learn? Well, you I mean, it did make my more? in terms of like. Sorry, go for it. Sorry, sorry, go on. Um, no, I'm just saying, like, did, was your learning experience better or worse having tried to just completely stop it from happening? Because. As you know, um, at higher we do our best to um, let it flow. So rather than stopping the person's move, like mm. accepting it and then using it to counter and make your own move from that. So um, how did it yeah, work yeah. for you? Well, I suppose like when I was there, I was very much focused on like the striking aspect of, of combat, right? So I was trying to, you know, really get my boxing, you know, good, my, my kickboxing, Wing Chun good. Um, so as far as like my, you know, my intention at the time, it was very much to sort of focus on that aspect of it, right? Um, so, so in terms of like, you know, when I say stifling it, it was more just like, you know, I know, like, I know if I end up on the ground with these guys that, that you know, know the art well, it's not going to go good at all, right? So, so it was always just about trying to, you know, read the shoots and, yeah, and you know, sprawl well or, or manage the distance well. You're not letting them inside, you know, at least not inside to a range where they can get you on the ground. Um, you know, working your sort of wrestling and judo well so you can't easily get taken down and, you know, uh, so, you know, the, the learning, I suppose, would, you know, it was more focused on that kind of shoot fighting aspect of it rather than, um, you know, the, the, the flow of the art and, you know, the, the sort of chess game of, um, 
you know, that, that it becomes when you're both proficient. Yeah, right. Does that, also, does that call that an makes, answer? <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. Um, and it's just, I don't know, for me it's interesting really because my brain, my perception of jiu-jitsu has changed um, throughout the years. And I guess I've had, I've had numerous teachers as well. And um, as a result of that, I've been learning different methodologies and different approaches to it. So, um, you know, I've been on numerous parts of the spectrum as well. And from those positions have yielded different results in terms of learning. So it's just interesting to, to see how, how that was working out for you. Because you you did uh, you trained at MMA school before, right? Well, I trained at um, uh, Sidizik Perosh Martial Arts in Concord. Um, that's where I started, and um, there was there wasn't uh, pretty much a bit of an MMA feel to it, but um, it really the Jiu Jitsu program started to develop, and it developed into uh, it depends, man. Everyone was there for their own reasons as well, um, but in terms of my kind of personal preferences at the time i navigated towards the heavy competition side of it so i was one of like a, a bit of like a a crew within there that was super focused on gi jiu-jitsu competition um yeah right yeah i guess like my if my goal is to get better at the competition then my training will reflect that hopefully you know whereas like yeah, some yeah. people who did mma who did like no gi jiu-jitsu they kind of went they went a different way with it and the thing about that school was it was so big that it, there were many, not fractions, but many different like little groups of people who, you know, um, had common common interests. Well, and common sort of goals. focusing on different aspects of it. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, and that's that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu as well, I think, that it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Which yeah. Is nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you trained at Rick Spain's. Um, and then what happened? You, how come you stopped? Oh, well, it's, uh, yeah, this is where I suppose it comes to pretty uh, personal. So like my mum, um, she got uh, diagnosed with like breast cancer, metastatic. It was like a, so she first got it when I was like 15 and then, um, she got her second, you know, like a relapse or whatever, um, around that time. So I was sort of, and my dad was quite old as well. Like, so my parents, the age gap's like 17 years. My dad was older. Um, so he sort of was not in a position to really look after her that well. So I sort of had to take the mantle up a little bit and help him, you know, take her to hospital and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so then eventually when she like passed away, um, my Bella and I sort of looked after dad for, I think it was about, yeah, a year. Um, and then he, he actually passed away as well from, um, he had, uh, what, prostate cancer. So yeah, my like just life focus was just not around, you know, that anymore. Like, you know, spare time was, you know, sort of dedicated to family stuff. And then, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, at the time after all that happened, it took me, you know, maybe months, I mean, you know, a long time to get back to myself in some way. Um, and then around the same, you know, maybe a year or two after that, you know, Bella got pregnant with Max. So it was just like one thing after the other for uh, sort of three, four years. And it's just, yeah, time flies. <laughs> Well, man, sorry to hear that about um, that story with your um, with your parents. Um, I do yeah, find that interesting. How old is Max? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's interesting though that when, like, mm. you know, if you've got a couple who have been together for many, many years, and then one of them goes, it's interesting how the sec, like, how the other side of the 
Um, yeah, especially when, it's, uh, the, 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 when the guys left, they don't usually last. Exactly, yeah. It's um, in, like, interesting. So, uh, so okay, so Mr. Maxi uh, was born. <laughs> and then um, how old is Max now? 10, yeah. 11? Yeah, so he'll be his next birthday. He'll be eleven, which is like what's that uh, in April? So yeah, yeah two well, and a half. Nice one, nice one. And um, yeah, uh, so we go into like you said, three, four years later down the track. Um, what what brought you to thinking about getting started again? What was what was lacking in your life that made you want to kind of um, open the book again and and get back into it? That's a good question. Um, so, uh, what I'm just trying to think back to when I would have first. Oh, so okay, around that time, like I just had my own business for maybe three or four years, and um, had to wind it up. So then I was, um, I was actually broking. So I worked like in finance. I was been a, I was a trader for like you know ten or twelve years, and then um, had my own business, and then um, I ended up uh, having to wind it up, and then I was broking for a while, like uh, broking. Uh, like bonds and semi-government bonds to to banks around around Sydney, so a lot of that job entails basically going out and getting on the piss with clients, like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was kind of get you know I was like getting out of shape and I don't know just um, yeah there was something missing which was basically just that physical aspect of my life. You know I'd become a dad and I don't know you know it, it's easy to just fall into that routine of you know kids work kids work you know whatever. So. Um, and then, you know, and then as a backdrop to that, I think Maxie was having a few like issues with bullies at school or whatever, or just going through a bit of a tough time. So I think I told you before, I had him in, um, had him in karate at school. And, you know, it sort of, it, it helped, really did help him with his confidence. And, you know, and there was a lot of like sort of positives, you know, that, uh, that I saw in him that, you know, from that. Um, yeah. But then at the same time, you know, that every term would come and that, you know, you'd pay 50 bucks and he'd get a new belt or whatever. And, I just, I just didn't like the sort of, um, you know, the sort of the uh, McDojo kind of attitude of it all. I'm not going to, you know, mention any names about dojos or whatever. I mean, I'm sure that they're, they're, they're good guys, but um, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, you know, as you know, like a lot of martial arts uh, that don't have that kind of life sparring or whatever, they they can fall into that kind of, um, you know, that kind of formula. Um, so then, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I've, I've done some BJJ before and. I think one day I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he was talking about it and I thought to myself, you know, that, that'd be actually good for the kids to, to learn at a young age because it does take so long to learn. Um, and, you know, it's, it was something, you know, I think good for uh, Ariana as well. Like if they, you know, they both go together and stuff. And so anyway, I started looking around at a few places and I, I went up to Gracie Baja one day and then I thought to myself, well, you know, off the back of that, why don't I just have a crack as well, you know? And um, so I checked a few schools out for the kids and went up to Gracie Baja, which is very sort of competition focused. Um, but, you know, I was sort of looking for somewhere that had, you know, not only that, um, you know, more self-defense aspect, but also was a sort of good community of people. Um, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be doing this for a prolonged, you know, a period of time on a regular basis, you're going to be around those people a lot. So I think the crew, you know, matters as much as the school in a lot of ways. Well, they are the school. Um, yeah. And yeah, so well, anyway, yeah, one day, the crew we, is know, the I think a message rang you and, and walked in. This crew, yeah, the crew is the school. Um, and yeah, and walked in and I don't know, I think the, fir the first time I met you, the first class I came in, I could just, 
I don't know, I had good vibes about the room and about you and stuff. And I could just, uh, I don't know, I could sort of tell it was a place I was going to be training at. Yeah. Um, and I'm so happy you came in. Um, how long ago was that, Gray? Remind me, about a couple of years now? It'll be, yeah, I think in January it'll be two years, yeah. Wow, there you go. Uh, okay, so there's a there's a little bit there. Firstly, tell me what did um, what were the what were the changes that you saw in Max? Um, like pre pre martial arts to post martial arts training. You said you there were heaps of benefits to his um, to his practice of it. Um, what were some of those that were mm. really um, obvious to you? I'd say like you know the you know the, like. The self-discipline, but I mean, I think it's a word that gets sort of overused a lot. Um, and I think what I mean by that is, you know, it sort of gave him some sort of pride in in himself and and wanting to better himself. You know, um, the and and you know, also feeling like you're sort of part of a community where other people have got a sort of similar goal. And you know, it's not, you know, schoolyards can be very much about you know I'm better than you type thing, and it's easy for that sort of mentality to seep into the kids, you know, like habits. Um, yeah. and I think, um, you know, martial arts in general, like it does, you know, how it gives you humility, but it also gives you, you know, some, some, some of that self-discipline and also like, um, you know, it can help you with this kind of self-worth. Like, you know, you feel like you're learning something, you, you, you're growing yourself, you know? Um, and, you know, I definitely saw that in him, uh, when it, you know, just, you know, just did his little stint with karate, but then, you know, you know, even more so even the time he's been, um, you know, training with, with you guys. Yeah, I um Maxie's a what a beautiful kid. I um I love having Maxie in the class and I think all the coaches will attest like he's a you have to be on your toes with him because if you if you say the wrong thing, if you slip up one way, he'll be the first one to point it out to you and throw it in your face. Um uh, and it's just been cool to see Max I don't know where he gets it from. Like he's, he, he's the, like he the way he introduced himself he immediately felt at home, you know. Sometimes um, he was too comfortable at home where he wouldn't mm. really pay attention to the rules, like too comfortable in the dojo where he, he thought like, you know, he had, to, he had to become acquainted with the rules first. And um, over time, I think but all the coaches will, will tell you and everybody that um, we've just seen a big change in Max because initially – I think Max thought like the, the class was centered around him and now he's just such a like beautiful part of the class, you know? And I think as a kid starts to see um, that there's people around them that they need to respect and that need to consider, um, that just makes them better people as well because uh, sure, it's in, it's in a jiu-jitsu dojo and we spend, you know, he has three, four classes there per week. But what if you go to school, if you go to the workplace, if you go to your, to your, to your home and you're around your family, um, I guess if you are super self-centered all the time, even as a kid, like things don't go well for you. Whereas if you learn these social skills and how to work with people, um, then it's not just the jiu-jitsu that, um, that, you know, that thrives for you. It's, it's all of your uh, relationships and all of your, um, all, the, all the chats and all the interactions that you have with the people around you. So that's what I've noticed in Max so much. Um, and it's been such a beautiful thing to see, really, um, to the point where now Mr. Max is a gray and white belt and Ariana's a gray and white belt. How's Ariana? Has she been going? Has she been having fun with Jiu Jitsu? 
What's that? Say it again, mate. Sorry, I lost you there a little bit. Has, it, has Ariana, what's her experience been like on the mats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much the same. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're very different, the two of them. But she, um, yeah, I think she, yeah, she's at the point now where it's becoming a bit more physical, obviously, which is, you know, I think it's good for her. Um, but she really likes the sort of the that kind of chess aspect of it. You know, she's a, she's a pretty keen little chess player. And, um, you know, the... And, you know, it's, it's also credit to you the way you teach it. Like it's, you know, that it's sort of one step, and, you know, in another step, there's, there's kind of like questions and answers, you know, constantly being asked, you know, at, when you're grappling. So um, from that aspect, I think she really enjoys it. And, um, and as I said too, you know, the, the crew there, you know, the, the other girl she trains with, the other boy she trains with, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's right into it. She's missing it as well, a lot. No, uh, missing it as well. Um... I can't wait for the kiddos to be back. That kid's class. <laughs> we all are. Uh, between us, I know you're a parent of a school, so maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but initially I, I started the kids program because I felt like Hydrogen had to have a kids program. Um, of course, I wanted – teaching kids isn't why I got into this, if I'm totally honest. I, I got into this because I loved jiu-jitsu and I loved working with other fellow uh, adults. Um, and then I was like, all right. We're here as a PCYC, you know, we PCYC is here to empower young people. So we should have a jiu-jitsu class. Um, but over the past two, two, two and a half years that we've been running that class, it's become one of my favorite classes. Like I really look forward to teaching the kids um, three, four, five times a week that we have it now. And um, I'm missing those kiddos, man. Um, and I think it's going to, I think it's so hard mm -hmm. for them. Maybe a, a bit more coronavirus uh, lockdown talk, but uh, it's hard for us for sure as adults. Um, and the lack of social interaction, but the kids more than anything, I think that'd be the, that'd be even harder, really. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. But what do you do? What do you do? Um, so now my question is you were, you, so you're looking around, um, Maxi was training Kung Fu or karate at another place. Um, and you walked in, what made you want to look out for the self-defense aspect of jiu-jitsu because as we know now um there's different little fractions of jits as we said some schools prioritize more of a self-defense curriculum some schools love to focus on the competitive aspects some schools uh are preparing for adcc's and you know are just no gi people for example or mma um what what attracted you to the this idea of gracie jiu-jitsu self-defense i can see the t-shirt you're wearing there beautiful t-shirt represents <laughs> um, yeah the uh i don't know i think it's just been you know ever since i suppose my sort of experience with aikido versus like rick's school um you know i i don't know to me to me martial arts is you know uh, is defined by you know their ability to be useful in self-defense situations i mean this is my view i mean i know that as you said there's 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 factions all you know and all sorts of people with different views that it's more um you know focus for competition or whatever and and you know i mean a lot of sports you know success a lot of martial arts successfully straddle you know self-defense and uh and sport and i think jiu-jitsu is one of them in a lot of ways um you know maybe not you know the strict uh, jiu-jitsu uh competitions with you know some of the with the way some of the rules work but um you know as far as it's been you know represented in mma and stuff i mean it's it speaks for itself the history there so uh yeah i don't know to, to me it's if it's going to be 
uh, useful or interesting, uh, I think it's got to be it's got to have that that self defense aspect. I mean, they're for me. Yeah, right. I also um, I notice like just watching you and you're practicing jits. I think you're a super. You're an intelligent fellow. We know that much. Uh, you're also super um, inquisitive, and you wanna you wanna um, get to the bottom of things. You have many questions. You're always the first one with questions in the class. Um, maybe that's got something to do with it as well. The fact that you know, like you're always asking why, and I don't think for you, if I was to just say, "Great, do this, this, and this," you'd be like, "Yeah, sure." I think maybe your brain works a little bit differently. Like, what were some aspects? specifically about like our environment at higher that attracted you to it oh that's a good question yeah look i think um the main thing that that i in terms of the way the way we practice it you know not it's not just you know the way that the students interact with each other but the yeah the way you teach it's very it's got this sort of scientific aspect to it where you know if if we're doing a technique and it you know it works or it doesn't work in some situations we'll explore or you know you'll you'll encourage us to explore why that is right or yeah and you know what situations it would work where you know when it wouldn't and I mean, I know it's easy in jits to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, if he does this and you do that, and it's, there's a million variations in different positions, right? But, um, you know, at the whole, I think the way you teach, it's it's got that sort of, um, you know, sort of like let's test the hypothesis kind of attitude and and you know see what the results are, right? Which which I really yeah. enjoy about it. For sure, I think that's that's definitely a big point of it, and I think. Honestly, I think that's what the jitsu is all about. Like that's when it comes down to it, um, you're on your own path. You know, I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm leading the school, and I'd like to think of myself as your coach. But you are um, so you're I'm leading. Move you're driving the car. You know, no worries. Um, you know, you're, you're front and center of, of, of the journey. You know, it's your body, it's your brain, it's your decision-making processes. Um, so I think what we try to do that's different at higher is I'm trying to help you guys come to your own understanding rather than create robots and say, you know, this is your game plan. This is, this is your, um, this is your game. Like it's not really, we don't really do that at higher. It's more a matter of saying, well, here are the principles of jiu-jitsu. Mm. Here are a multitude of options. Um, and it's up to you. He, here are the, the criteria with which to make the right decision at the right time. Um, how do you think with your practice of jiu-jitsu? This might be a, a hard question to answer, but are there any things that you see, um, like any parallels that you see in your in your work in finance, you said, um, and your practice of jujitsu? Are there any kind of things that, that overlap that relate in that regard? Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Because I mean, um, well, it's like, so my, my background as well, like I sort of got into finance by studying, uh, like quantitative finance. So I did like maths, I studied maths at university and, um, you know, it's, you know, very much about, you know, having, um, you know, making assumptions and then making deductions from those assumptions. And then, you know, if they, if they prove to be fruitful or useful, you keep them or otherwise you discard them. Right. And 
I mean, in trading, it's much the same thing. You might have ideas about the way the world works, um, but if it doesn't make money and, you know, you got some ideas and, you know, you blow up, then, uh, you know, they weren't great ideas sort of thing. So so I think um, as far as jiu-jitsu goes, they, they, it definitely is a – it's a martial art that um, sort of heeds those principles. I mean, it, the a lot of the techniques, you know, if they don't work or they put you in danger, then, you know, we don't really – they, they they kind of get thrown out, or they 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 just uh, sort of fade away into the distance. The the fact that it's sort of uh, pressure tested all the time, it, there's a lot of truth to it, you know. Yeah, uh, um, it's I, I guess like a really interesting point of this is like if you make a mistake in jits, I'll tell you, and I've told you many times before, keep your elbows in, Gray. Keep your elbows in, Gray. Keep your elbows in, right? But Gray <laughs> yeah. has to learn for himself. So Gray's gonna get armbarred a few times many times before he realizes, ah, oh, shit, I have to keep my elbows in. Um, and I think the beauty of that is like the tap. Like, so on the mats, we're like, hey, hey, tap. I, I didn't, I made a mistake. I left my elbow out and you took it. Tap. We're fine. And maybe in your job, it's more a matter of, um, uh, here's my money. Oh, shit, I lost my money. That was a transaction that went wrong. So that's how I'm going to learn for next time. And <laughs> take, the, take the positive and the negatives out of that decision and kind of hopefully improve for next time. Um, the, yeah. I guess there's another little idea of uh, for you that might make sense is like risk versus um, reward. Um, yeah. Maybe for you, like, is it, I, I don't know, I'm not, you know, a trader or anything like that, um, but is it is it more of my question is it's a, it's a it's a real question like is it I think like your jujitsu represents your personality at some in some parts as well so people who tend to be more aggressive um, might have more aggressive jujitsu people who are a bit more shy off the mats might come in and be shy on the mats in a way um, where do I fall on that spectrum yes that's my question <laughs> and what are your reflections on that. Well, where where do I think I fall on the spectrum? Well, no, as in where um, – how can you – do you feel like your attitude um, at your work is reflective of your attitude on the mats? Oh, yeah, I think I think the way people – when you roll with someone, um, I think it's like a, a, you know, a mirror or a window into their soul or something. Like you, you can you can just tell by the way they feel or the, what they do to you or try to do to you what their personality is like. I think 100%. There's no, there's no hiding on the mats. And especially, especially if you get into a real sort of competitive role where you're both tired and stuff and there's no – like sort of the games go out the window and you're just trying to kind of survive or, you know – um, get out of a bad position or whatever. It's um, you can definitely see people's personalities shine through. Uh, I think there's no there's no doubting that. Yeah, right. Um, that's really interesting. So it, no, at least at least wait, at least a white belt level, John. That's my caveat. At least a white belt level. <laughs> yes. Man, well, what's a white belt trader like? Throwing money left and right—that's like me on my um on my crypto account. I'm just throwing everything everywhere, hoping for the best, see what sticks. Losing money, you're just left, right. going out everywhere. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be there. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the idea you of end like up dropping a grenade well. in your lap. Yes. Yeah. Like learning through experience, right? And having to, like my little son Roscoe, as I'm sure Maxi and Ari have done for you. Like I've I've told him a thousand times, don't touch this. It's hot. 
And then Roscoe's going to come in and touch it because he has to feel it for himself, you know, and and get burnt himself, you know. So yeah. hopefully, um, so I guess that's the lessons. That's the lessons that we find on the mats. Great. What what have been some of the some of the most prominent lessons for you? Give me give me your biggest lesson that from jujitsu. Um. A big one, I mean, and I suppose this is in the context of, because I mean, I listened to the Hickson podcast recently and it's something that resonated with me a lot about, you know, being able to do do good in bad positions, right? Um, you know, when you, you you can have some monster bloody pat sitting on you or, um, or you know, or you for, if, if make it make it worse. Um, yeah. And, you know, you just got to try to just like sort of stick it out and be calm and breathe and, and you know, keep your mind working. Don't panic, you know? Um, and I think it's definitely like a, a good life lesson there. You know I mean? We, life, sometimes you, sometimes you're on top of the world and sometimes, you know, you're, you're in the gutter and, um, you know, the, you just got to be able to, um, you know, to take it in your stride and really, you know, use, use your, you know, use your wits and your sense and your, uh, you know, intelligence to, um, you know, to make the best of whatever situation life throws at you, you know, and it's sort of, you get to sort of test that over and over on the mats, which is, uh, you know, it's a privilege really. It is, especially when you don't have it available to you, you know, as we don't right now. Um, Professor says, uh, playing your cards right. So dealing, like working with the cards that you've been dealt. So whether it's like you made a mistake and two, three moves in, you find yourself underneath Mount or you got Pat Osborne like coming after your arm or something like that, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is the situation I'm in. Um, what, what, you're only in control of yourself as well. So what's your next step, you know, like considering where you're at? Um, mm. That's a, that's an interesting thought. I like it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and also like just, uh, you know, not giving up. I mean, you know, on the on the broader aspect, I mean, just, you know, showing up to class all the time. But, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a real shitty position, like, you know, we're, we're as we said, you know, we're all mates that train together and, you know, I mean, I, I try to be, you know, as annoying as possible when I roll with people. So make it as hard as possible for them so they get to really see if it works or not, right? But at the same time, I always try to like sort of look after and I'll, you know, I'll happily tap if I'm caught, you know? Um, but, you know, don't give up. Even when you're in that shitty position, you know, try to escape. Like don't, don't just tap as soon as, it, you know, it's, you know what I mean? If, if you think you're done, unless you really have to tap, just try to, try to keep going. <laughs> That, yeah, that's, I tell you what, there's, that's, it's an interesting point there. And let's think about it in terms of a spectrum, right? Of like tapping way too late and tapping way too early. I don't think there's one particular moment that's the <laughs> right moment to tap or not. Um, at the same time, I think like if, you, if you're not tapping frequently enough, then either you're getting hurt or you're not going up against people who are challenging you um, as much as what you need to be challenged. And then if you're tapping too early, um, then maybe you're not working your escapes and maybe you're, you're, you're in a state of panic to the point where there might've been a situation where you can come out of it, you know, and um, like search as much as you can, like in order to find that little path of escape. I think one thing that's most important in that mm. is um, trusting the person um, that's got your arm, trusting the person that's got your leg, trusting the person that has your neck and, um, ensuring that they won't do anything um, that's going to represent harm for you. I think that's, that's a really, really big point. And so to yeah, your 100%. point there, like having friends 
training around you and not to the point where they're fighting um to, like to win it's more a matter of they're trying to make their technique work um in the most efficient way possible and you're trying to make your technique work too whether it's escapes and defenses um or even you know controls and submissions like i think where i think i personally think that's the beauty of higher like where everyone comes in and just has the learning cap on their heads pretty much all the time you know and um the fact that we put trust at the forefront of our practice so um whether you get the armbar or not isn't as important as whether your partner can go home driving their like holding the steering wheel you know rather than putting it putting their arm in a sling and having to drive off to um saint vinnie's um have there been yeah exactly no you got you got to have that trust <clears throat> Have there been um, any um, injuries or anything that you've had to uh, any adverse effects of jiu-jitsu so far? What 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 are some things that that we don't talk I've about? I've actually been like... go for it. Um, I've, look, in terms of injuries, I think I've actually been pretty lucky. Um, I did tweak my knee in one roll one day, um, and that was like pretty much self-inflicted. I think we were doing, you know. Um, kind of grapevining and how to, you know, how to pop someone's legs off if they're doing it to you, if they're mounted you. Uh, and I was training, I think I was training with Mason and I said, oh, you know, it's all right. You can try to, you know, like pop it off. I want to see what it feels like. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have asked uh, that. So it was self-inflicted injury. <laughs> but other than that, I've been actually pretty lucky. I mean, um, I'll be 40 in a week and I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't had any, you know, bad injuries so far. I mean, so fingers crossed that uh, that continues. Hey Gray, you see this? This is wood, and I'm 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 knocking up for you. All right, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I've said it now, I reckon first class back, I get injured. Yeah. No, for for the superstitious people there, we've just knocked on some wood for Gray um, and his injury uh, streak. Um, but it, that was a little bit silly of you to ask Mason to put all of his heart and soul into a technique against you. That doesn't sound like it's going to go very well all the time. Tell me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And he what was really very apologetic, but it's a, you know, as I said, you got to trust you. You got to trust your partners. Of course. Tell me what. Um, aside from injuries, tell me something that you don't really hear about jujitsu. Like, what? What's another challenge that you've had to endure, had to go through, um, that people don't know about? Be honest. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I reckon. Okay, the the um, the I think a lot of judicial practitioners go through this, um, and it would be the silent car ride home when you've just been absolutely rumpled right in, in rolls by, you know, some high belts. Like, so you, you think you're kind of getting a bit better and, you know, you think your, your skills are sort of getting, you know, getting to a point where, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm learning this, this is, this is coming on good. And then you, you end up with some back-to-back roles with, you know, uh, someone like a bit more senior than you, like, a, a, you know, a good blue belt or a good purple belt and you just got nothing and you just get owned. <laughs> right. And then you get in the car and you drive home with the, the sound off and you're just staring into space like what what just happened <laughs> and that's uh-huh. um yeah that's one of those cases where you just go you know what that it's i'm sure this happens to everyone i'm just coming to class tomorrow and we'll just do it all over again 
It's just you know, you're having your ego just crushed. You hit the nail on the head, it's yeah. a good thing sometimes in life. Well, um, two things there. Oh, you oh, said, did you, did you, you have that movie coming through? Oh, man, are you kidding me? Most definitely. You know, and even um, even today, there are times I go home and I'm like, this didn't work out so well for me. You know, um, Brazil camp a few years ago, you know, when I go to Phil's um, Academy in Melbourne, like, and, and I'm, I'm learning all the time. I think that's just such an important part of jiu-jitsu. And I think those silent car rides are just so critical. Um, you said it yourself. I think the, the, the secret to them is, is to keep coming back. <laughs> keep coming back you need to keep coming back because if one of those silent car rides um convinces you not to come back then that's when um that's one and you've lost out right so keep coming back that's for sure my other question to you we just had a little bit of a break there gray but um yeah the, the thing about those silent car rides that i was talking about uh, was when are you ever challenged like that um, in your life currently other than in jiu-jitsu? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm one of those people I run to the run into the fire <laughs> and it doesn't always work out. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's so, the joy um, of it, right? So, yeah, I'm well... Yeah, I mean, look, the, the the sort of high points in life are, um, you know, they're defined by the low points in some ways, right? Things are defined by their opposites. So, you know, if you've got a smooth run all the time, it's it's easy to sort of get, you know, comfortable and think that, you know, I don't know, their life lacks some excitement or something like that. But you know, if you get the if you get the valleys as well, then, um, you know, you you, you get. I mean, it, what what am I trying to say? I suppose if you if you need the agony to have the ecstasy. The, you need the agony to have the ecstasy. That's yeah. beautiful. Agony to ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> um, isn't that isn't that beautiful? Because now you've got like you've got the vehicle um, to give you the agony, but it's not agony, right? Like it, it's simulated agony when I'm on top of you and I'm about to choke you, and the and the the threat is imminent, and it yeah. seems like you're about to die. Like your body's like, fuck, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. But all you have to do is tap on me. I, you don't even have to tap on me because I know when to stop. You know, but um, I think that's so phenomenal because now, for example, in 12 weeks, we haven't had jujitsu. I haven't really been challenged so much, you know, like I might go run up a hill a few times and that could challenge me, but I'm running up a, a, a hill for God's sake. Whereas, you know, having somebody on top of me and threatening my life um, is, is so much more uh, uh, relevant. The sense of urgency is there more. You know, a lot more, so yeah. much more. Um, and I think that's what, what we're missing out on. But I think, you know, like moving forward, looking forward, that's the that's the joy of what we experience in jiu-jitsu. And probably to the point where you didn't really feel that in Aikido. Can I say that? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, is that because it, of like the... Sorry, go for it. Sorry. No, no, you go. Um, for me, my, my question was like, is that because of the lack of like sparring, for example, in, in Aikido or is there something else inherent in the art form? No, no, it's definitely just the life sparring aspect, you know? I mean, it's, 
I, I mean, I'm sure guys that do, that train, you know, I mean, I know, I know, Rick's when we were doing, uh, you know, sp- um, striking, sparring, and stuff. That, that sense of urgency is there too. I mean, if you don't have your hands up, right, you get you're gonna eat some, and and you don't want to eat some. But I, I suppose the the difference with jujitsu is it's kind of it kind of builds, right? Whereas you know, striking arts, it's like one mistake and it, bam, and it happens before you can even think about it. Whereas, whereas in jiu-jitsu, you kind of like, especially to start to get a bit better, like, um, you know, you can make a mistake and you know it's where it's going to lead, right? And you know along the way, you might be able to short-circuit and redirect, you know, where the path, the series of moves goes. But it's like, it's almost like the, the fact that you have time to think about it, it makes it more, uh, <laughs> you know, more scary in some ways. You, you can see it coming, but you can't stop. You stop it happening. I mean, at least at, at least at my level. <laughs> that, that, I think that's that represents nice jujitsu when you know what's coming, but you just can't stop it. It's like uh, 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 you know, and that's that's the effectiveness that we're using, that we're trying, that we're using, uh, that we're trying to learn. I should say, you know, that's that's kind of what we're all going for to the point where it's like a force that you, that's unstoppable. But it also doesn't hurt you. Like it's just, it's a soft, gentle force that just cannot be um, stopped. <laughs> you know, which is, I, I guess that's the path there, Gray. Mm. So, Gray, tell me um, a couple more questions yeah. before we wrap it up. Um, where, where do you see your jiu-jitsu going? Like, what's the goal? What's the focus? Um, and you know, if you had a a crystal ball, like, where do you see yourself on the mats going forward? What do you want from this? Um, I suppose my younger self would have said, oh, I'm going to keep training till black belt because he's, you know, young and ambitious and doesn't know any better. But at my age now, the way I look at my training is um, I'm going to get up as soon as we get back to training and come to training and maybe I'll drive home with a smile on my face. Maybe I'll drive home with a radio off with a, you know, with a little tear. Um, but, uh, but I'll just rinse and repeat that, uh, as long as my body allows me to, that's pretty much it. Nice. So I don't, um, I don't take the any other anymore. Thing? You know, I just, you to me, to? The, no, no, to me, like it's the, the, like the, you know, the enjoyment is in the training itself and where it leads is where it leads, you know, I mean, I, you know, it, while, uh, while my body's still in pretty good condition and I can train the way I'm training, I plan to just keep it up as long as I can, as long as I stay interested, <laughs> which I think will be a while, to, to be honest. Um, what, what keeps you interested in it? It, it becomes addictive after a while, I'll be honest with you. Like, I mean, I tell I tell uh, friends of ours, you know, they, they've, I mean, I think before we, we finished, I was training, you know, four or five times a week type thing. And uh, friends of ours that know me are just like, how, you know, how are you doing it so often? Or what, what, you know, what, how do you get motivated to get up and train at 6.30 in the morning and have someone try to break your arm or choke you or sit on your head or whatever? And I don't know, I just, um, the sensation I get from, from grappling, like, I don't know if it's just the, you know, the ape in me or um, if it's the kind of fight and club aspect of, of rolling. Um, I don't know, I just, the, the, I just like being there. I like the sensation of it all. I like the mental stimulation I get. I like the, you know, the, the those those moments where you have to confront yourself when when someone's dominating you or whatever. It's I don't know. There's a lot about it. I, there's a lot of aspects. It's it's hard for me to nail one thing about you know why I train or why I like training. Um, other than it's it's 
I don't know. It's it's like it hooks you. <laughs> People think it's a cult yeah. or something. <laughs> I've been there before, man. My mum still thinks I'm part of a cult. Um, <laughs> she might be right too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, that's interesting what you say about not really thinking about the long term. Um, interesting because you can't really control that, can we? Like, I think the most the thing that you can control is today and what you're going to do today. And do I go to class? Do I drive to class right now or not? And I think if the enjoyment is there, then you're like, fucking hey, I'm driving to class. I'm ready. I'm going right now. Let's do it. Um, and you know, if you're not really enjoying it, then it doesn't matter if you're going to be a black belt in five years' time. You know, you're not you're not motivated to go right now. So, what what does the black belt even matter? Um, so, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, another sport I played a lot through my life is tennis, and you know, it's also individual sport, also sort of very cerebral in that way, where you you do have to strategize and think about what the other person's doing and and what you're doing and you know, how well you're feeling the ball on the day or, or whatever. And, you know, you very much only to take the Rafa Nadal sort of approach to it is, you know, you're only as good as your next point, right? And, and you know, with jiu-jitsu, like you said, you might have this long-term goal, but, I mean, if you can't if you can't meet the, you know, the day-to-day requirements of what that even means, which is just, you know, get up and have a good class, you know, the next day and recover from the last one, I mean, that's, it's, that's the journey and, you know, just enjoy the journey. Right there, Gray. I can't, I got nothing more to say on that, man, because you just kind of <laughs> nailed, hit the nail on the head. Hey, Gray, I just want to say, um, oh, well, I, I'd like to say, um, firstly, thank you for jumping on this and having fun. Um, I, I had fun with this chat, um, and it was a little bit Corona lockdown um, initially, but it's pretty, it's pretty much like an hour of thinking about of jiu-jitsu and what we're missing out on and um, how much we love this. And it's a beautiful art form and such an amazing journey. I think we do it great. I think we do a great job at high jiu-jitsu and I miss the crew and I miss um, training with everybody on there. Um, and I can't wait to be back um, with you, grappling with you, checking you out, putting you in those bad positions, um, <laughs> having laughs with everybody and all of it, man, all of it. Um, hey, last thing, this is going to come out soon. Can you tell the Hydrate crew who haven't yet realized just how awesome our morning workouts are? Oh, the morning workouts have been unbelievable. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, my, if, if, my, if my body was like a fire hydrant before, it's just like a, you know, it's an even uh, thicker fire hydrant now. It's been great. <laughs> and John, good job for, uh, you know, sticking with it and getting us all up in the morning. Um, yeah, as you said, just to break the monotony of lockdown, it's been awesome. And, you know, my body's feeling really good. The, the, the knees over toes program's working well. Um, it's been helping me with my surfing and stuff a fair bit. And, uh, oh, mate, who doesn't like a kettlebell? Yes, my man, great. <laughs> I was going to say thank you. Honestly, man, I think I have, I love having your you and your crew, um, your crew being your family um, at Hire. You guys are a very important part of, of it. Um, and I can't thank you enough, man, for, uh, just being, being on the, being on the same path with us on, as us on this journey. Um, I can't wait to keep it, um, going forward. Thank you so much, man. Oh, thank you, John. Thanks for mate. Thanks for all the work you do. And thanks for having me on. My pleasure.